Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. at the conference. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. <clears throat> you know, husbands, we usually get ready. I'm waiting for, for my wife to ready. And, you know, I have that song in my head and that part where he says, vamonos. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting on the, in the, the couch and I go, vamonos. And I hear my wife say, stop rushing me. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, I want you to turn uh, first, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 5, and hold your finger there, and then flip over to John chapter 6, verses 35. This morning, I want to minister on, on hunger, hunger and thirst. You know, Paul in his letter to the first Corinthians, he, he, he's almost giving them a rebuke. Part of the part of overseeing the church, Paul is is getting word that there are some some strife. There are things that are happening in the Corinthian church that that he needs to address. How many that that when when we're growing in the things of God, God God brings His correction, God brings His direction, His guidance. And, and, and it's through the word, it's through when we get into our word. But Paul, he writes to them and he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people, people of maturity. He said, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world, as though you were infants in Christ. Now, this is coming from the Apostle Paul. And, 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 and this morning, I want to focus on hunger and thirst. As a Christian, as we develop in our walk with God, we are going to come into points in our walk, points in, in, in our, in our uh, season where God is starting to bring us to a point of maturity. And part of that is, is a sign of, of, of a developing and a, a developing as a strong, spiritual, mature Christians is that having that hunger and that thirst for Christ. That thirst for righteousness. And in, in, in achieving our goal, there is no room for excuses. How many came from a background? How many came from a background where it's very easy to make excuses for the problems that we have? It was, you know, it was hand down uh, from my great-great-grandfather. He, he was a tyrant, man. You couldn't ask him for anything. And, you know, it just trickled down. Well, when we come to Christ, it ends with, it ends with us right there. Those uh, generational curses, they should no longer be uh, something that holds us back, something that prevents us from furthering in our walk with God. We can no longer use those as an excuse. We can no longer use those as weights that hold us back, barriers that prevent us from going where we need to go. Because if we are new creations in Christ, old things have passed away. Correct? I didn't catch that, thank God. <laughs> You've heard the phrase, stay hungry? You can always tell an individual who does anything with purpose. 
because they want to achieve it to the best of their ability. Having an excellent spirit is a person who is his driven, who is, is purposeful. He, he, whatever he does or whatever she does, it's with a purpose. It's that, you know what, I want to be the best disciple. I want to be the best usher. I want to be the best greeter. I want to be the best at what God has called me to be. That is a person who is hungry. Athletes use this phrase, people who are driven, determined. They are go-getters and they are hungry. I believe that it is essential in our faith that we have no excuses, that we have no compromise. We leave no room for compromising. If you're with me, say amen. amen. In our text, John chapter 6, verse 35, it reads this. It says, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now flip over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed, another translation says is happy, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Pray with me. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to minister your word. Father, I pray, Lord God, that as your word goes forward, Lord God, that you are preparing hearts this morning. Father, those who are watching us on the live stream, God, that you are, Lord, preparing them, Lord God, to receive. Father, I pray, Lord, that as, as I step aside, ask that you take full control, Lord God, of this service, Lord. Lord, that we have an ear that we may hear. And Lord God, that we come to that realization, Lord God, that you are the Lord and Savior of our lives. Lord, I give you praise, honor, and glory. Amen. Amen. Hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst. You know, I, I find it interesting how the Lord makes the references of two vital things that we must have in our life. Hunger and thirst. You know, you can go without food for 30 days. Amen. Some of us, when, you know, can't go 30 minutes without food. Amen. <laughs> you know, when, when they call a fast, you know, you're, you, 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 you could go the whole day without eating, but when they tell you you're fasting and you know in your mind that you can't eat everything, man, you drive by McDonald's and all of a sudden, man, is that a fish filet I smell or... You know, and then, you know, your co-workers bring donuts and bagels. They never brought donuts and bagels before, amen? But now, you know, everything is being brought before you. So, you know, uh, you, you, and, and water. Water is vital. I mean, some of us, man, we don't drink enough water. We don't. You know, and as, as a nurse, you know, when, when I needed to start an IV, or the first thing I would do was test them to see if they were dehydrated. They'd tell you, no, I drink plenty of water. I could test and I'll find out. <laughs> and, 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 and as the human body, I mean, water is essential. Your, your body is made up of 70% water. It helps you with your, your digestion. It helps you with your circulation. And, and, and if you've ever felt like where you get up and you stand up and you feel a little vertical... That is because you're dehydrated. So spiritually, a person who has no hunger is a spiritual anorexic. Now you think of anorexia and you think of that person that's like 60 pounds. That's not necessarily. Anorexia just means that you don't have an appetite. You know, I remember early on in my, in my nursing, on my internship, 
I get uh, orders to draw blood on a gentleman, and, and when I looked at the code, I says, anorexia, this dude's like about, about close to three. How is this dude anorexia? And that's what I learned, that it's not the fact that he's all sucked up. It's the fact that he has no hunger. There's, there's something physically that takes place when a person has no hunger, has no desire for food. There is something wrong. And when spiritually, when you have no hunger or desire, something spiritually is wrong. There is something that is taking place in our spiritual walk. Righteousness comes from staying hungry and thirsty. On the other hand, a good appetite is a sign of health and growth. So Paul, in his correction to the Corinthian church, he says, look, in the later verse, he says, look, I wanted to bring you meat, but you guys weren't ready. I still had to give you spiritual milk. You see, the, the, the concept of this is, is that as Christians, as new converts, we are developing, as we get into the word, we start to learn. There's a lot of mistakes that we make along the way. Amen. How many have made mistakes? But we learn from them. We grow from them. Now, if we're uh, uh, spiritually sound, if we are spiritually mature in, in what God is developing in our life, we will no longer go back to the things that stumbled us in the beginning. Because we've learned from that. We've grown from that. Being a healthy parent, uh, uh, raising healthy children is helping them develop, helping them learn, helping them find their way. Amen. And I'm not going to talk about, you know, uh, you know, uh, teaching your children the, the concept of money and the value of money. That is that is on you. Amen. But I'm, I, I, there are certain things that we must do as as parents. I read this. I read this article that said that if you raise your children right, you get to spoil your grandchildren. But if you spoil your children, you get to raise your grandchildren. So how do we fight to stay hungry for God in a world that wants to fill us with everything but God? Everything. See, we all have the same amount of time in a day, 24 hours. Some of us, how we use that, how we use that time in our life, in, in, in family time, in your alone time with God, in your work, I mean, some of us are pulled from, how many, how many feel that sometimes where you just feel like there's not enough hours in the day for you, that you have more tasks on your schedule than humanly you cannot accomplish. But in that, in that run that we're making, we have to have that time for ourselves with God. Where we just put aside distractions, put aside all the things that want to take away that time from us. So how do we develop that? We must look at what the Bible says. I refer to this as the menu. The one thing that we need to do to develop that hunger and that thirst would be to pray. Prayer is a moment where it's an intimacy between you and God. See, when you first come to Christ, that is, the, that is the goal, is to get you to a point in your walk with him where you're able to have communications with God, to always bring things before God. 
And see, that is something that needs to be developed into us because in the natural, we don't see it. We don't, you know, we just say, man, you know what, uh, how, I, I'm running out of words. I'm, I'm running out of things to say. What, one of the things that I learned early on in my walk with God is to write things down. Get a prayer list. Get a list, get a journal and just start praying. Just start writing down who you need to pray for, what you need to pray for, and all these things. And when you sit in the presence of God, put some worship music on. Soft worship music. Not Christian rap music. I'm talking about worship music where you could come into the presence of God. You know, and then you could just sit there and just focus and go down your list and pray for mom, pray for dad, pray for the grandchildren, pray for your workplace, your coworkers, all these things. You start bringing them down. You develop a prayer life with God. David in Psalm 63 verse 1, he writes, Oh God. You are my God. Earnestly I seek you, and my soul thirsts for you, and my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. How many have ever been so thirsty, and you're nowhere near water? You could feel it. And you know what? In my family, I'm the one who, who gets the water. I'm the one who takes all those five gallon, you know, and I could have three or four of them. And they're there. Nobody's drinking water. But let them run out, and everybody is thirsty. <laughs> Dad, when are you going to go get the water? Dad, we're still waiting for water. And it's just like some, you want something that you can't have at the moment. And it's that way oftentimes in our prayer life. Where we say, you know what, God? I want it now. And God always has an answer. It's either wait, no, not yet, or I have something better for you. God always has an answer. God is always up to something. God is always doing stuff, moving things, lining things up, putting people before you, removing things that need to be removed. God is always doing something. So we develop that prayer life. See, God made David aware that, that, that earth is a dry and weary land where there is no water for our souls. See, the world can't satisfy us. Money can't satisfy us. It's good. It's good to have money. I'm not saying money's bad. It's the love of money. It's when we start chasing the dollar. When we start saying, you know what? I don't need to work the overtime, but I want to work the overtime. I want to buy this. I want to buy that. And having nice things is great. But when they take the place of your relationship with God, they don't belong with you. They do not belong with you. So there is nothing more than God will, nothing more that can satisfy you than God. We can't produce that kind of thirst. See, in the world, we had a thirst. You remember the woman at the well in John? She had a need. And see, Jesus, he goes deep inside of you to pull out what it is that you need. He makes it a special appointment for you. And then when that encounter at the well, the disciples were sent away. And when he asked her to give him something to drink, he knew the answer. He knew all in her life. Man, you got five husbands. You had five husbands. And the one you're with right now, you're shacking up with. You know, at some point in time, if you had five husbands, maybe you have a problem. But he knew that. 
He knew that. He knew at the hour that he met her. She was a jaded woman. She couldn't go and gather the water with all the bees because she was a hated woman. She was talked about. She was looked down upon. She was downtrodden. She was feeling the shame of what she did and the lifestyle that she lived. But Jesus knew all that already. See, Jesus always meets us at our point of weakness, at our point where we need him the most. Jesus has come into our life and he has turned our hearts around and he has transformed us. He's given us a new mind, a new thought process, a new heart. People that you couldn't love before, God has given you that love. Where you're able to say, you know what, God? I know it's you. How many ever give God praise for just doing something in your life that you know that you could not do on your own strength? On your own strength. You tried to fix your marriage on its own. You tried to be the best person that you could be, but it wasn't good enough. Because when God gives you a heart of love, it is genuine. And see, that's what the world is looking for is genuine people. They don't care how much you know. They don't care how much knowledge you have. They do not care how much you know. They want to know that you care, that you love and that you have an interest in them. And that you, you know what? You're prayerful with them. You're teaching them. You're guiding them. Some of you here this morning, you feel sometimes that, you know what? I don't fit in. Don't let the enemy lie to you. You're part of this family. You're part of this family that, we, you know, where, where you could come to us, us ministers, us leaders, and you could say, you know what? Can you give me some direction to that? And we'll give you the best advice we know. My first advice is, have you prayed about it before you complained about it? See, we're so easily, we want the quick fix. Look, if you could Google right now, which some of you are already doing, right? I see that face glowing and it's not the presence of God. It's your iPhone. <laughs> but if you were to ask Siri, Google, whoever, this, she will give you a list of books, tons of books on purpose. Purpose, what is it that drives you? What is it that moves you? See, the closer you get to God, the more you want to know him. The more you want to seek after him. See, you're not satisfied with just Sunday. See, when we come to church on, on, on a Thursday and a Sunday, it sh you should be getting revelation of what you've been feeding yourself on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. That we come, that we could just gather and we could come in the presence of God and praise him. And as you're hearing the word, how many have ever sat there and God has been speaking to you and you've been studying it, you've been reading it, and the minister speaks and touches something that you've been studying already? That's God giving you the confirmation. God is giving you that insight of what he's trying to develop inside of your life. And see, as you start to apply that to your life, that's where we start to grow. That's where we start to see things happen. See, when you be careful is that when you start praying for things, God's going to put you in those situations. God, I pray for strength. And God's going to put you in a situation where that strength is needed. Patience. We all know what happens. <laughs> right? We know. We know. God, help me to love the unlovable. Boom. 
I wasn't literally asking to be loved, you know. But we, God puts us there. See, I've learned that when somebody rubs me, it's God showing me, I want you to work with that individual. And it starts everywhere. It could be in the workplace. It could be in the family. We all know that individual. We all know that one person that lights up a room when they leave. <laughs> right? Say, Ooh, thank God. Ooh, go. But those are opportunities that, you know what? Just, you know what, Lord? I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing, God. And just, just take it. Take it as an instruction. One person said this. He says, worship does not satisfy our hunger for God. It whets our appetite. See, when we come into it's, it, I think it's, it's, it's crucial that we try to make an effort to be here when the worship. When you come together as the family of God and you begin to worship God, not thinking about the game, not thinking about what you're going to cook, you know, did I bring that coupon, did I this, did I do, all these things, all these things, you know, run through our mind during worship. See, the enemy's goal is to get us distracted, you know, get us off of track. And then, you know, you sit here and you, and you, and you, the words are not, up, even though they put them up there, you know, and you're just, you're just, what you call it? You're just not there. But as we put that stuff aside and we say, you know what, God, I just want to focus on you. I just want to worship you. I just want to be in your presence. God is preparing you for his word. God is preparing you. I, I, I like to refer to it, and I've said this many times, as pre-op. If you've ever had pre-op, they're preparing you for surgery. I don't want to find out that you have a bad heart when you're on the operating table. I'm gonna, the doctor's going to search your heart. So when we come into a, an atmosphere of worship, we're saying, God, prepare me. Speak to me. God, I come in your presence, and I'm, I'm surrendering over to you, God. That's when God starts to reveal to you. And it's no surprise when I see individuals and they're weeping and they're crying, I know that they've touched the hem of the garment of Christ, that they're touching God and they're saying, you know what, yes, God, yes, God. And those are the moments that I, 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 I look for. And, I, and you know what, there's times, man, where you come in here, you've had a crazy day, crazy day. You know, and, and you come into the house of God and you just feel that rest. You feel, you know what, God, I'm able to just Lay it down and just come into your presence and just speak to me, God. See, one can easily lose their hunger for God. You know, we all start off well, man. We come to, the, we come to Christ. We're new converts. And, man, we're so excited. Sign me up. Man, yes, Lord, send me. You've been saved two weeks. Man, Lord, send me. I'll do anything for you, God. I'll, I'll go. I'll Cut the grass, I'll trim the trees. God, I'll do anything for you. And over time, you know, it starts to like, let so-and-so do it. Let, you know, I, 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 I've paid my dues. I've done this, I've done that. And we, and we start to withdraw. We start to pull back. And in, in fact, that should be a, a, a place in our walk with God where we start to draw closer. 
said, you know what? It don't matter how long you've been saved. You could have been saved 14 days, 14 years, 24 years. You should still have that hunger and thirst for Christ as you were when you first got saved. That when you first came to Jesus. See, I love to see people who have been serving the Lord for a length of time and they still have that hunger and desire to pray, to, to give, to serve. Those are people who've tapped in and who continue like David. He said, you know what? I'm thirsty. Fill me, God. That there's nothing that can satisfy me but you. And that's when you tap into what God is doing. In Philippians chapter 3, turn with me there, verse 19. Still speaking about hunger and prayer. We spoke about how easily we could lose that hunger by feeding on other things. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, it says this, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Earthly things. That's the worldly buffet. Where everything that the world has to offer, I want, a, I want a little bit of that, a little bit of this. I'll take some of that too, push it down, and I'll fit this in as well. Well, we start to feed off of those things. See, Paul, or, or, excuse me, David, in Psalms 34, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, when you taste of the goodness of God, there is nothing that is going to satisfy you. There is nothing that is going to satisfy that hunger. The bread of life. When you look at the Israelites, when manna was presented to them, they were strictly instructed, only take what you need. Only take what you need. But what did they do? They started to gather as much as they could. And the scripture shows that it rotted by the time they woke up. Now, commentaries describe manna, which means what is it? Amen. If you ever cook something and you don't know what to call it, just call it manna. What is it? They described it as a bread that had like a honey. It tasted like a honey. It was sweet. So as they would develop it, and when I started to look into this deeper God wants to be your daily bread. See, you can't come and gather all you can on Sunday and think that it's going to carry you through the week. Because you're going to start to, start to uh, get a little hungry and start to feel a little bit of, of, the, of the growling on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. God wants you to seek him every day. God wants you to, him to be to you your daily bread. Where you say, God, I come to you with this need, with this prayer request. See, never think that nothing is too small for God. That any request that you have, that you were able to bring it to your father in his presence and say, you know what, Lord, I want to bring this to you as small as it could be. It could be prayer for a loved one. It could be something where you just say, you know what, God, I would just pray that my grandson would understand. And that you would reach him, send somebody to him. You have no idea how many times God has answered that prayer that we do not even know about? We do not even know. I have led people to the Lord on their, die, on their deathbed, on their last breaths, moments before they have slipped into eternity. 
I have led them to the Lord. Their family don't know. Nobody knew. Just myself and a couple of staff members. But I always glorify God because he had the mercy on this individual to bring them to that point of salvation. God is so good. God is so good. See, these are some people that we probably wouldn't have witnessed to. Somebody that we may have overlooked on the streets. It is never up to us to determine who is worthy of salvation. God, look at We come to a place where we can say, you know what, God, you have done great things in my life. God has the same promise for that individual. That we said, you know what, God, the the grace that you have shown me is for that individual as well. Sometimes, sometimes I used to think, I used to think, man, you know what, that person is the worst of the worst of the worst. Let somebody else witness to them. And God rebuked me. God rebuked me and used somebody right in front of me to lead them to the Lord. And I knew right then, God, forgive me. You give me that opportunity, Lord, I want to take it. I want to take it and just share your gospel with that individual. So it's an invitation. The invitation is to seek God again. Spend time alone with God. Pray, read his word again. Wait in silence before him and get up early. There is something important when you get up early to seek God. Now, if you're a night person and that's your time, whatever time you need, like, like Pastor Soto shared one time, is look, if, if you have a problem where you get to pray and reading and you, and you start to feel like you're going to sleep, get your Bible and just start walking around. Start walking around and just praying, getting that. that see, it's important that you start to develop this as you start to nurture this, in, in, this new thing that's happening in your life where God is starting to show you things and you're able to pray for things. So we prioritize God like we used to. We return to our first love. You change your spiritual diet so that God is no longer a side dish, but he is the main dish. The main dish. You ever been so hungry that you don't eat something that you regret later? Like, why did I eat that? You know, you couldn't wait. And see, the world, the world has things for you that, you know what? They will only fill you temper. They won't go down well. It ain't going to feel good to you physically and spiritually. See, the enemy's goal is to get you again off track, off your game, to take away that desire. To keep you from pressing forward into what God has called you to be. See, everyone here has that purpose. Everyone here. Some of you are in the process. Some of you are developing this new walk with God. I see some of you turning the corner. I see some of you developing that, that desire to want more and more of God. But I also see some who've also laid back and said, you know what? I'm not there. I've, I've got five years in. I'm, I'm, you know what? I think I'm good. I think my name's in the book of life. I ain't going nowhere. We should have that hunger and thirst like that driven athlete to say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not satisfied. I am not satisfied with being mediocre. I'm not satisfied with being content. I'm in, I, I want more of God. I want to see God move in my life. I want to see prayers answered. I want to see souls saved. I want to see my family saved. I want to see my marriage restored. I want to see my children come to God. I want to see my grandchildren falling in love with God. 
I love to see when the little ones, man, the little ones are so excited when they do something in the, in the church, when they have something that they've been taught. Man, my, my, my grandsons are developing God. They're seven years old now, man, and they speak things of God. And when they, they have an opportunity, they'll pray for you. I love that. You know what? They, one, one, one of the boys knocked down his cousin and made him cry. And he's, oh, come here. Let me pray for you. <laughs> How can you scold them after that? <laughs> but see, this is, this is where we are, church. Look at man, we're, we're at a point in our walk with God where we need to start seeing things. We need, we need to start seeing God's hand move. And it's not going to happen in the seats. It's going to happen when the church comes together and says, you know what, we're going to rally behind our pastor and we're going to just see the hand of God move. I want to be part of the prayer team. I want to be part of the evangelism team. I want to be part of what God is doing in this church. See, if this is your church, your family... Your family. And family don't let family go down. We're there for you. We are there for you in prayer and any support that we could offer. We are there for you. I don't got to know all the details. In fact, I'd rather not. Because that way when God moves, I know it was God. By his hand, it was done. The second thing is exercise faith. See, the more sedentary we become, the less fuel we actually need. But when we start to exercise, we create a greater appetite. It's like when you go on that long walk or you've been on your, on your treadmill for a thing, you develop that appetite. As you exercise your faith, you start to exercise, you start to develop that faith where you just start, you know, God, I'm getting hungrier for you. See, when you start to see the hand of God move in your, in your prayer life, it excites you. You just say, you know, God, yes. When you start to give and entrust in God in faith, and then you start to see God blessing you, sustaining you. It's all part of us developing in God. See, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, The soul that cries out, not, that's not the scripture, but the soul that cries out for mercy is a soul that is humble before God and hungry for God. And when we humble ourselves through confession, God comes running to meet us. See, God will never leave you where he found you. He is always moving in our life. But how much of God do we want? We can't sat, be satisfied with the things that the world offers us. The friends, the drugs, anything that wants to take us away from our walk with God. So what do we do? We build our appetite through closeness, developing that prayer life. One thing that I like to do, and I've learned early on my, my walk when I first came to Christ, hang around with hungry people. Hang around with people who you want to be like who have a good testimony, who have a, who have a genuineness about them. Those are the ones that you're able to, you want to be great, hang around great people. I was reading a, a portion of Kobe Bryant. 
And there's always this talk, who is the greatest, the GOAT, Jordan, this, that, and all that stuff. But one of the things that Kobe developed was is that he didn't like to practice with a lot of players because they didn't have the same dedication that he had. They were just okay with drawing a salary and being on the team and getting their minutes that they went. But he had a hunger. He had a, a, a passion inside of him. Get up early, first one there, last one to leave. And see, we cannot be in, in a complacent place in our walk with God where we say, you know what, God, I'm just okay with being saved. God has so much more for you. So much more. There's so much potential that God has for you. See, when I would train nurses, I didn't just want help. I didn't need help. But I was going to train somebody who was going to replace me. And the schools never got this. You have them for 200 hours. You could use them to do anything, sweep your parking lots, do all this stuff. I don't need that. I want somebody who wants to be here. I want somebody who wants to learn. I want somebody who wants to be the best that they could be. And I, when I look back at my former students, they're leading departments at UCI, at Hogue. They're leading departments in private practices, podiatrists, cardiologists. One of my best students was overlooked. Nobody wanted to train him. Why? Because he had tattoos all over the place, all over the place. But he was a very smart individual and he had a very kind heart. And when I gave his CV to the managers, they said, we want to hire this guy just based off of how you're describing him. But he had a passion for what he did. And now he leads the cardiac thoracic department for infants and pediatrics at UCI. Because he had a desire to learn more. He was hungry and thirsty for knowledge of what he had to do. How much more for us as believers, as Christians, waiting for the coming king to say, you know what, I want to be the best disciple that I could be. I want to be the Christian that, you know what, it's going to be telling people about Christ, leading people to the Lord, not just the seat warmer. Not just a person who fills a seat and who's a part of the attendance, but I want to be an active role member in the kingdom of God. That is what God is looking for. Please stand with me this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. It says this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to, for good works, not neglecting meeting together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, this is a time that we've, we've heard message after message of how we are so close to the coming of Christ. This is a time and an opportunity for God's people to just keep pressing forward, pressing forward, regardless of, of the situation, regardless of what's taking place, you know, that we say, you know what, God, I'm part of this family. I'm going to be part of, of what you're doing in these last days. I'm going to be part of, of the missions, of, what, of, the, of the mandate that God has placed on this, 
this church here in La Mirada. See, I love to call this church La Milagro, the miracle. Because we weren't supposed to get this building. But how many know when God orchestrates something, there's nothing that's going to prevent him. When God opens the door, nobody can close it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55. I'll end with this scripture. It says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. I believe that these three areas, not magic, but grace, and our gracious God says to us, come, come to the water, thirst. He is the bread of life. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching us on the live stream and you say, you know what, Anthony? I, I, I need to give my life over to Jesus. I've been, I've been playing. I've been ducking. I've been running as fast as I could, as far as I could. But you know what? God seems to just always catch me. But I've yet to surrender. I've yet to fully surrender my heart over to him. If that's you here this morning, I just want you just to lift up your hand and put it down. I want to pray with you. God sees that hand. I'm going to say a prayer. And listen, if you're here this morning and you're backslidden in your heart, you know. You know. The smile and the, yeah, all that, that's great. But you know when God is dealing with you. I'm going to say a prayer this morning. And if that's you here this, this day, I want you to say this prayer. Believe it in your heart, the Bible says. Confess with your mouth. Believe it in your heart and you shall be saved. Father, I come to you as a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. And right now, you sit at the Father's right hand, interceding for me. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. This I confess before this congregation and before you. In Jesus' name, amen.